Welcome to the Fit for Golf podcast. I am your host, Mike Carroll. The goal of the Fit for Golf podcast is to share entertaining and insightful conversations based around golf, fitness, and health. In today's episode, I break down the Bryson DeChambeau bulk up, trying to use my background in sport and exercise science, close to 10 years working as a strength and conditioning coach in a variety of different sports, and more recently, helping golfers on the PGA and European tours try to gain club head speed. This podcast is sponsored by the Fit for Golf app, the only golf fitness resource you will ever need. Check it out on www.fitforgolf.blog. It is not available in the App Store. Welcome back to another episode of the Fit for Golf podcast. This is going to be a slightly shorter podcast and hopefully one of the only ones where it is a solo podcast. The reason I'm recording this is to try and shed some light on some of the facts surrounding Bryson DeChambeau's recent transformation in regards to what has actually happened with his body and his golf game. From watching TV, reading articles and following the social media trends, I suppose, there's clearly a lot of division in regards to people thinking it's a good or bad idea and also just a clear lack of understanding of what is actually going on. So I'm going to try and break this episode down into a series of common questions that I have received and summing up uh, essentially what I think of them and trying to provide as much clarity as possible. Bryson has gained approximately 40 pounds or 18 kg in the last couple of years. People are asking, is it fat? Is it muscle? It's very hard to know for sure what the exact contribution of each is. I would say that it is almost uh, certain that he has not gained 20 pounds of muscle or more. I would say it is probably more in the region of 15 pounds of muscle. There's going to be some extra water retention and glycogen retention, and there will also be a substantial amount of fat gain, which is quite clear to see just from watching him on TV. That's not a knock on him at all. It is just reality. Gaining muscle tissue is extremely difficult, and it's an extremely slow process, especially when you're not a complete beginner to strength training, which Bryson would not be from his time in college and as a professional golfer. So that's the number one thing that I want to clear up. Definitely a combination of muscle and fat gain and probably reasonably close to 50-50. But I would say that there is likely more fat gain than there is muscle gain. I could be wrong on this, but based on my understanding, this is what I would say is most likely. The second question is, why would a professional golfer want to bulk up? The obvious answer is to improve their scoring potential via increased distance. With all other things being equal, a 10-yard increase in driving distance is worth approximately 0.6 to 0.7 strokes per round. A 15-yard increase is worth approximately 0.9 to 1.05 strokes per round. A 20-yard increase is worth 1.2 to 1.4 strokes per round. Based on just the measured holes on the PGA Tour this season, Bryson has gained 21 yards in driving distance. He currently ranks 324 yards off the tee, 
which is the most anyone has ever averaged off the tee in PGA Tour history, by two yards over Hank Queenie in, I believe, 2001. At the Charles Schwab Challenge last week, Bryson averaged 342 yards off the tee, which is important to note because it is the first tournament post the COVID-19 shutdown where he seemed to gain even more mass, more strength, and more speed. During this tournament, he gained 7.3 strokes off the tee for the week compared to the field average. This means that where he was hitting his second shots from gave him a 1.8 stroke advantage per round compared to the average driving performance of the field that week. This was two and a half strokes better than anyone else in the field. Thank you to Justin Ray's article on the PGATour.com for these stats. Last season, Bryson averaged 118 miles per hour of clubhead speed and 170 miles per hour of ball speed. Last week at the Schwab Challenge, at the Charles Schwab Challenge, he registered 130 miles per hour of clubhead speed and over 190 miles per hour of ball speed. So that's a 12 mile per hour increase in clubhead speed on last year's average and a 15 mile per hour increase in ball speed on last year's average. In practice, he has uh, posted on social media clubhead speeds reading 136 miles per hour and ball speeds registering 200 miles per hour. Just to provide a little bit of context on that for people who are not familiar with clubhead speed and ball speed, the average clubhead speed on the PGA Tour for players ranked number 1 to 150 in last year's FedEx Cup, so essentially everybody who kept their tour card, was 115 miles per hour, and the ball speed would have been just under 170 miles per hour. So Bryson at the moment has approximately a 20-mile-per-hour 20, a 20 ball speed advantage on the field. Each mile per hour of ball speed is worth approximately two yards in driving distance. So if Bryson has a 190 mile per hour ball speed and the PGA Tour average ball speed is 170, he's going to be looking at approximately a 40 yard distance advantage off the tee compared to the average driver on the PGA Tour. What we must realize about the Charles Schwab Challenge is that it is just one tournament that I'm picking those numbers from, so we cannot get too carried away. Bryson's average strokes gained off the tee for this season is 1.1 strokes per round, or 4.4 strokes per tournament, and he's in third place on the PGA Tour in that category. It should be noted that only one... that. That's the only tournament that has been post the COVID shutdown, as I touched on, during which he seemed to gain even more distance and more speed. So we really need more tournaments to see how things shape up in the future. Some golf media would like you to believe that all Bryson is doing is smashing the ball further and that there is no skill involved. Impressively, he is better in every category this season his strokes gained statistics per round this season are 0.7 strokes better off the tee, 0.16 strokes better in approach, 0.15 strokes better around the green, 0.13 strokes better putting, and his scoring average has dropped from 
70.17 into the 2019 season to 68.97 this season, which means he is 1.2 shots better per round in his scoring average. So obviously a huge improvement. And if that's a trend that can keep going, it will be very interesting to see what happens. Another common question is people have been asking, is the huge bulk and weight increase necessary for the speed and distance gain? Before we go any further with this, and I touched on it at the start, it's important to understand that not all body mass is the same. At any given body weight, people can have vastly different amounts of muscle tissue versus fat tissue, and this will have a huge bearing on potential power output. Please don't just pile on the pounds of fat and use this as an excuse that you're trying to improve your club head speed. How does mass help for swinging a golf club further? Why does being heavier help? The first point in this is an increase in what's called ground reaction force. There's a very strong relationship between how much force you push into the ground during the swing and club head speed. Dr. Sasho McKenzie, a very highly respected golf biomechanist, has done some really nice work illustrating that the more force that is being applied to the ground under your lead foot, which would be your left foot for a right-handed golfer, when the shaft is perpendicular or 90 degrees to the ground in the downswing, the higher club head speed will be. This can be enhanced by golf swing technique, by improving lower body power, and also by adding mass. I don't have any measurements available for Bryson's ground reaction force, but I can assure you that a 235 pound Bryson is applying more force to the ground than Bryson at 195 pounds. Add the fact that he has also gotten much stronger in addition to just gaining mass and you get a double whammy effect. Many analysts and swing instructors have commented on Bryson's improved mechanics for power Something else that I would like to touch on is that he is also clearly trying to hit it harder. So we have a number of things that is resulting in his swing speed going from 118 to 130. Yes, we have the mass increase. Yes, we have the strength increase. Many golf instructors have noted that his golf swing technique and mechanics have improved, but also something that's huge is intent. It seems like that he's trying to hit the ball much harder than he was previously and than other players. I know from working with PGA Tour players that if you take their club head speed for a season, and let's say it's 115 miles per hour, and you put that player on a driving range and you tell him that if he can swing four or five miles per hour faster than what his average on tour was last year, that he gets a cash prize, he will almost certainly be able to do it. Professional golfers have gears for club head speed. When they're on tour playing on competitive holes, they're generally only swinging as comfortable or as fast as they feel comfortably that they can control. It seems to me that Bryson has basically enhanced his ability to go full speed while having the confidence of being able to keep the ball on the course. So there is an intent and a skill element to that. Going back to the ground force, so there is definitely more pressure under the lead foot due to his gained mass, and he has also increased how much power he can actively push into the ground due to his increase in strength. 
This increased pressure into the ground makes it easier to apply force to the club. Think of throwing a stone as far as you can. You would step in, push your foot into the ground as hard as possible to give you more power for the throw, even though it's your arm and then your hand will be releasing the stone, similar to how you apply force to the grip of the golf club with your hands. Even though the force must go through your hands to the club, we use our whole body to do it. And how we push into the ground and get power through our lower body sets up how much power we can eventually deliver with our hands. If you've ever done a drill on the range, it's often given in lessons by pros or with the super speed speed sticks where you step into the swing or stomp your heel down and your swing speed goes up. That's an illustration of the same idea. The second thing that we're going to talk about after ground force is muscle mass and power production. Bigger muscles are capable of producing more force. This is why in sports where force production is important, like combat sports or weightlifting sports, there are weight classes. The smaller athletes cannot produce the same amount of force as the larger athletes at the elite level, even though they are as highly skilled. In sports where power is important and there is no weight classes, the athletes are very large. Think long drive, hammer throw, shot put, and who the kings of the jungle are. In sports like running, jumping, or certain field sports, gaining muscle mass can actually be a disadvantage. These sports are about power to weight ratio or relative power as opposed to absolute power. In these sports, we must move our body mass through space and more muscle mass could potentially slow us down because we're heavier. Uh, There is a difference between the benefits of large body mass and strength levels depending on the weight of the implement used in the sport. A golf club is obviously much lighter than a shot put or a barbell with loads seen in strength sports, but it is still an advantage. Something that I just picked up on earlier too that I was interested in is the average weight of a major league baseball pitcher who's throwing a very light baseball is 215 pounds, which is significantly heavier than the average weight of a PGA Tour golfer. But I would say that the power levels of a major league baseball pitcher are also far superior to a PGA Tour golfer. There's obviously more to it than that, but I think it's obvious that as you go up in mass, there there is increases in power in pretty much every activity, regardless of the weight of the implement we are using. The advantage goes down as the implement gets lighter and it goes up as the implement gets heavier, but there's always an advantage. There are two primary ways to increase the force production potential in a given movement. One is our ability to improve how we how we recruit and use muscle fibers we already have untrained people have lots of extra strength and power waiting to be unleashed very early on in their training when we start training we are not very efficient at tapping into all of our available muscle fibers especially the fast twitch ones which are most important for high velocity and high power high power movements like trying to develop club head speed in the golf swing From training session to training session, we get better at this and our force production goes up. Usually, there is incremental and small increases in muscle mass as a byproduct of this training, 
even when it's not the primary focus. The second primary way that we can increase force production in a given movement are increases in muscle size, also known as hypertrophy. While we can get much stronger, more powerful, and faster without much gain in muscle size or body mass, it is easier to do so if there's a corresponding increase in muscle size. Once we've been training for a number of months, and especially a couple of years, further significant increases in force production from improving efficiency is very difficult. This is when gaining muscle size and body mass becomes a necessity to further increase gains in clubhead speed. If we consider a PGA Tour level golfer who already has very good technique or does not want to change their technique due to the issues that can lead to, but wants to increase clubhead speed, they they 100% can gain speed without gaining muscle size and body mass. I'm currently training four PGA Tour players and one European Tour player, and increasing muscle mass is not a primary focus of the training, but they've all still gained three to five miles per hour in six to eight weeks by primarily concentrating on improving how well they can recruit muscle fiber they already have and by improving their efficiency. And by efficiency, I don't mean efficiency in their swing technique. I mean improving efficiency in regards to recruiting muscle fibers they already have, getting the signal from the brain to the muscles to happen essentially better. The next question we're going to move on to, what are the risks for Tor Pros bulking up and why aren't they all doing it? Training for improvements in speed, power, and strength is relatively easy to add to a Tor Pro's overall practice and training plan. Sessions take about 45 minutes and they don't need to be overly fatiguing to get the desired results. This is really important as Tor Pros generally want to feel fresh and have plenty of energy for practice and play. For the most part, especially in-season, players want to be able to go from the gym to the course or the range without any issue or they want to be able to wake up the next morning after a training session without any soreness or fatigue. Training with the primary goal of increasing muscle size and body mass is much more challenging, however. The training needs to be higher in volume and requires reps that are close to failure. This means more fatigue, more soreness, the jelly-like muscle feeling you get after an intense workout, and definitely a longer recovery time. A substantial amount of calories is also needed to maximally support growth, and it's extremely difficult to just gain muscle and no fat unless you are brand new to resistance training. I don't have full details of Bryson's training program, but from what I have seen, he is definitely focusing on the mass building side of things. Many say that this is not golf specific, but they forget the fact that he is hitting a huge number of drivers as hard as he can each week. That's the most sport-specific speed practice you can get, and if you're doing that while adding considerable muscle size, strength, and body mass, it is no surprise that clubhead speed has increased significantly. What's really impressive about Bryson's transformation so far is not just the increases in clubhead speed and distance, It's how he has simultaneously managed to improve every other aspect of his game compared to last season. I think a huge and justified fear for many tour players in following a similar plan 
would be that as they devote so much time and energy to the physical transformation and driving that another element or elements of their game would struggle. There is a reason why long drive competitors are not on the PGA Tour. It's not just about driving distance. Bryson has struck an incredible balance, but as I keep alluding to, we need to give it time to see how things go. It's far too early to say if this experiment was a success or not. Tour golf is extremely fickle and in huge changes lie risk. The potential rewards are astronomical, but so are the potential risks of trying to play with a massively changed body. The next question, and it is our comment that is probably the most uh, common, is will Bryson get injured? It's impossible to say. We do not know for certain. It is certainly ridiculous to look at somebody's swing and come to the conclusion that that they are going to blow out a knee, a back, a shoulder, etc. The human body is remarkably resilient. We adapt to stress that we impose on it and grow stronger. Sometimes we apply more stress than we have adapted to and we can get injured. This is the very nature of elite sport, however. Physical and mental boundaries are pushed, striving for every last ounce of performance. Sprinters tear hamstrings, pitchers blow out elbows, powerlifters tear biceps off the bone, soccer players snap ACLs, runners develop stress fractures in their shins. Golfers injure wrists, backs, elbows, shoulders and hips. And it's not just golfers with violent swings have these issues. There's a long list of golfers who you wouldn't think based from just looking at their swings would have injury, have very serious injuries. So there is far more to it than swing mechanics and swing speed. Yes, faster swings are more stressful, but the bodies making them are also stronger. A key element in injuries is not just the mechanics of the movement, but also the volume how much and how frequently is just as important as how the swing looks. Try to get past just looking at a movement and thinking dangerous versus safe. The last point on injuries is that people have often referenced Tiger as an example of how intense and rigorous training breaks down the body, which is something that I struggle to understand as a reasoning we really don't know what tiger was doing for his training because it's very very hard to figure out what he was doing based on how privately everything was kept from what i've read and my understanding something that was probably more of an issue for tiger as opposed to his weightlifting was potentially the fact that he has written about doing up to eight miles of running on concrete a day in military boots. This isn't a knock on running, but I think it's very, very um, short-sighted to look at one player who has had a change in their body appearance and use that as evidence for other players that do so are also going to have injuries when we know nothing really about what Tiger was doing. What are the takeaways from from Bryson's transformation that you can think about and maybe uh, relate to your own game? Number one, you can gain speed without gaining mass, especially if you haven't been nailing your mobility, strength, power, and speed training for the last number of years. If your swing technique is poor, there's definitely plenty of room for speed gain there too. 
Speed is a blend of uh, equipment, technique, and physical. Make sure that you maximize all of them. At the amateur level, there's generally room for improvement in all three. When you get to the elite PGA Tour level, equipment is going to be dialed in. Swing technique is going to be pretty much close to dialed in. But in my experience, physical training is not. And that's where they have the biggest room for improvement in regards to speed. At a certain point, increasing power, to, to keep increasing power, you will need to gain mass. Doing this by increasing muscle is, prefer- is preferable and an increase in strength to go along with the mass will help even more. But mass on its own will likely be helpful for a golfer as it will increase their ground force. Gaining Number three, gaining size and mass for golf is different to sports like running and jumping that involve moving your body mass through space. In those sports, it's all about the right power to weight ratio. For club head speed, it's all about applying force to the club. You don't need to project your body body anywhere near as much as you do in running, jumping, or field-based sports. More mass and more strength can both help with this independently and also combine for a double whammy effect. Tour golf and recreational golf are different stratospheres. What might be worth it for a tour pro will often not be worth it for a club player playing once a week, even if he had the time to do so. In my opinion, Bryson is less generally healthy than he was before the start of the transformation. He has gained a considerable amount of fat mass, which is one of the worst markers for health. And I would be confident that at least 50% of the mass he has gained is fat. I could be wrong on this, but that would be my understanding. His golf potential has definitely risen based on his new physical qualities, however. So in my opinion, even though he is less generally fit and healthy, he is more prepared for the demands of elite golf. In my book, this means his golf fitness has improved. Remember, elite sport is often not healthy. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and please reach out if you have any questions or comments. You can find me on Twitter at fit underscore four F-O-R underscore golf. If you like the episode, please leave a podcast rating and review. And I hope you join me for episode three.